Welcome back to the 2R1 Podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Last week we started Acts chapter 1, and I got halfway through the chapter. Lord willing, we'll finish it tonight. This week's message is, It Will Be. It will. It will be. Then later on, we'll speak with a young lady from North Georgia College who started a gospel-centered design company. She's going to tell us her story. So uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy the ride. We'll see you in just a bit. Welcome back. Another week under our belt. And uh, we're glad you're back with us. We're going to be jumping right back into the book of Acts where we're starting to look at the early church, the birth of the church. And we uh, finished off in uh, verse 14 last week. So, Elisa, if you Mm -hmm. would. So we left off where um, Jesus had told them he ascended up to heaven and he had already given them instructions to go wait and so they returned to Jerusalem, and they were in the upper room, and it was um, the 11 disciples, as well as, um, it says, some women, the Mary the, mother, the Mary the Mother and his brothers, and several other folks were there waiting and praying. So that's where we left off. So we'll pick up in verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which is the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there, no, let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Amen. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Father, we thank you for your word that is true and faithful and just and holy all the time, Father, even when we're not. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word tonight. Give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, take us deeper with you. Teach us what you want for us, Father. Teach us what you want as individuals and as a church, Lord, and help us to uh, grow into what you have planned for us, Lord, and forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean. Meet with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, picking up in verse 15 again, um, this is when Peter, who is the bold disciple, stands up 
um, kind of spurred by the Spirit to preach to these 120 people. Um, this is right after Jesus is taken up. So this is their very first kind of big move without Jesus there kind of overseeing things and calling the shots. So Peter stands up, which makes sense because he's always been the vocal one of the group. Mm-hmm. Peter stands up, he addresses his fellow believers, and he talks about, he starts off his sermon with how David wrote in the Psalms, King David back in the Psalms, about how everything that has happened would happen, but specifically how Judas would betray Jesus. And he mentions David, and he kind of quotes the Old Testament here. This is mainly from Psalm 109. I researched that. And uh, it's a very interesting book. And when you read that compared to when you know uh, Peter is quoting that, uh, it's from Psalm 109. And he talks about how um, he says, the Holy Spirit spoke in advance through David about, about Judas. And then he says, and these words of the Tanakh or of the Old Testament had to be fulfilled. He says, had to be fulfilled. I have it pictured like they're up there, they're praying. They're still just not really knowing what to think, what's up and what's down and what, you know, mm-hmm. they just witnessed all, all kinds of craziness. And on top of that, I do believe they're mourning for Judas. Mm. You know, he walked with them for a long time. And he was like one of their brothers. I mm, mean, mm. you can't spend that much time with somebody. Yeah, I'm sure they were very angry. But you can't... Conflicting emotions. Yeah. And so I think, it, you know, Peter was probably struggling with that. Like, I, I want to be mad at him, but I'm very sad that he's gone. And I'm sad that it turned out like this. And why? If Jesus knew, and I know he knew, then why? Why did, you know, all of these questions mm. are going on through his head, and all of a sudden it's like he has an epiphany. Because we know, you know... Peter didn't always think before he spoke, so I just think this is, was natural for him. Mm-hmm. And God knows, knows that, so he used it. And and he was letting everybody else know, like, oh, okay, like God gave him this revelation. It had to happen this way. That's a very good point. I've never, ever heard that perspective. I mean, I think that's so true. And, yes, these men knew the Old Testament, largely their Jewish boys raised up in the synagogue. But... It had to have been a revelation mm-hmm. for for Peter to all of a sudden see now the fulfillment of that scripture from David. Because I mean, there's, I mean, just when I was researching and looking in Psalms, there's 150 chapters in Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know, 150 yeah. chapters, not verses. And this verse pops out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the 109th chapter. I mean, you don't have all of that completely memorized. There's no way. Even if you do, it's not always. God still has to reveal it to you, like, see, right. I it's saw a this revelation. to you, and I, I told you that this is happening, and it didn't just always happen, because just like we think that, even now, the prophecy that we know is going to happen, we can have all that memorized, and it can happen right before our eyes, and it may not hit us right Absolutely. away, that that's what's happening. Absolutely. Something can be hidden in plain sight mm-hmm. right in front of us, and just like this revelation, God gave this revelation to Peter... And, and let him see that David was writing a prophecy about Judas, there will be more of that to come. Mm-hmm. You know, the book of Revelation, anyone that claims to have that book cornered and figured out, that makes me nervous mm-hmm. because 
the Jews of the Old Testament thought they had, um, you know, the Torah and the, and the Tanakh, whatever, all of the Old Testament figured out and knew what the prophecies meant largely, but they missed Jesus who was right in front of them, healing people right in front of them, and they couldn't see the fulfillment of Scripture in front of them. And so we don't ever want to be like that, where we think we've got a corner, we assume that we understand what everything means. Mm-hmm. Um, we always need to be asking God for fresh revelation. And so Peter gives the fresh revelation that God gave him and talks about how David prophesied that this would happen. He says it had to be fulfilled. He was God for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of us and had been assigned a part in our work. So that part scares me too. Number one, it scares me that we can think we know exactly what God means all the time in certain scriptures, uh, and then we could have it wrong. Uh, and then it scares me that it is possible to minister in Jesus' name, to have a part of a ministry, to work for the kingdom and still lose your ticket or forfeit your ticket or never actually purchase fully your ticket, whatever. You see what I'm saying <laughs> yes. here? like. It, yes, it's that's possible. another discussion, yeah. Right, but it's possible to be in the mix and still be on the outside. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think he was always technically on the outside. And right. I think Jesus and, and God is just sovereign over all that. He gave Judas ample opportunities to change his mind, you know, and I think he knows how much persuasion it's going to take for each of us to where, you know, when we get there, we won't think, but if you would have just asked me one more time. Right. You know, he knows. And, uh, you know, he's always pursuing us, and he gave Judas every chance. Right. I love this dog we have in the background. <laughs> he's really, he's speaking in tongues out there. Um, but that used to be such a hard concept for me to wrap my head around. You know, I always was sympathetic for Judas. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it had to happen. You know, Jesus had to make it to the cross for us. That was part of the plan. So was Judas part of the plan the entire time? Was he supposed to be the betrayer? No. You know, I finally, mm-hmm. and God allowed me to see that. No, God knew what he would do, but he tried to give him ways out. Yeah. And he worked, he works our bad decisions out for his greater plan. Yes, and he knew what it was going to happen ahead of time, and he wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you read Psalm 109, it sheds a little bit more light on the person of Judas. Um, David talks about some of the more horrible things that this person does and thinks. And uh, he talks about, basically, in Psalm 109, you can go and read it, but he talks about how he takes advantage of the poor Mm -hmm. and the needy. Mm -hmm. And if you look, um, the role that Judas had as far as an office within the disciples was to be uh, the treasurer, mm-hmm. so to speak. He held the money bag, the Bible says. And um, so Judas, and there's other scriptures that, that uh, paint the picture, give the idea uh, that uh, Judas was kind of sort of skimming off the top or being dishonest in some way with the money. Um, and it was... Greed. Greed. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a prevailing theme in Judas's life, even in the three and a half years that he walked with Jesus. Yes, he did works with Jesus, and he had a part in the ministry with the disciples. But at the same time, there was always this um, 
this greedy part of him that was constantly taking from the needy. Yeah, and the reason he was really walking with Jesus was for himself. Yeah. The others, maybe to a degree, because I think we all struggle with selfishness, but they were there because they were drawn to Jesus, not for what they could get from Jesus. Right. That's a good point. So he tells them that and uh, you know, references Psalm 109, shows this revelation that God has given him. Then it goes into some gory details about what happened to Judas. So my translation says, With the money Judas received for his evil deed, he bought a field, and there he fell to his death. His body swelled up and burst open, and all his insides spilled out. Yeah, that is pretty gory. Um, one of the, some of the research that I've done actually says that, you know, I guess the way I've always understood it is when Judas realized what was going on, when he took the money to let them know where Jesus was, I don't know if he thought in the back of his mind, like, this is Jesus, I've seen him do miracles, he can get out of this, he's not going to let them kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he realized what he did actually took him to the cross, you know, he he was a lot of things, but I don't think he was a murderer. Mm. And um, he ended up being one, but... Um, that's a whole nother subject. We've all kind of murdered him in a way, you know. <laughs> so it's our sin that did it. But mm. um, anyways, my point is, is that after some research that I did, it says that Peter actually meant that the money purchased was what Judas received, but he tried to give it back. But they, um, the chief priest purchased the field in his name. And so that's where they took him, and that's where they even used a burial ground for strangers. So... I guess after he, so then the researchers saying after he hung himself, because in Matthew it says he tried, he gave back the money and went and hung himself. Maybe so, it was that same land that he hung himself. Right, that they so purchased. they they purchased the land mm-hmm. with the money, and it became a burial ground. And I could see for like the even the Pharisees knew that that money was yeah. tainted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was blood money. Yeah, you know, so they didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So then it goes on. You know, some people get tied up over whether he fell or whether he hung himself well matthew clears that up says he hung himself and then Um, he fell and then he fell and that's how you know after being in the hot sun and the bodies going through the decaying process when he fell things burst open like an old wine skin you know that's just Hmm. stretched Uh, so then it goes on to talk about kind of the name that the field got um the field of blood a, a keldama, is that what you? A keldama, I think. So everyone knew, and remember this: this was a scandal. This whole thing with Jesus was the talk of the town. I mean, people that uh, people on both sides of the uh, equation were talking about this. I mean, it was, you know, a, I mean, a scandal in the city. I mean, it was a big city, but everybody was talking about it. And everybody knew that Judas betrayed him, and it became known what he did and what happened to him, and the field was named the Field of Blood after that. Um, so right here is where uh, Peter quotes uh, the book of Psalms 109. He says, Let his estate become desolate. Let there be no one to live in it. And let someone else take his place as a supervisor. Um, so in that same prophetic scripture that says uh, what will happen, essentially that, that this was going to happen, 
then it goes on and tells them, gives them instruction on what they need to do. So the same couple verses both predict the future and gives them instruction after it's happened. You know, Peter got the revelation that there was supposed to fulfill the second half of the scripture by um, getting a twelfth man to be a disciple, to fill his position. Mm-hmm. Um, so right there is the, the sovereignty of God again. You know, how he works all that, how he assures that things happen, only he knows but it will be Mm-mm. whatever God preordains, whatever God has spoken, whatever God desires, His will, um, and it might not be um, obvious to us that it's completely His will. But God's end will be His end, and like Elisa said, somehow, some way in there, He uses our mess ups and our bad decisions to bring about His will. He uses our free will, yeah. <laughs> no matter what that that will is, to accomplish His perfect will. It's crazy. His grand will. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's this idea that really helped me about his perfect will and his permissible will. Mm-hmm. He will he will allow things that's not his perfect will because of our own free will. Mm-hmm. But regardless, his perfect will, his grand will, is going to be accomplished. Absolutely. His will will be done. His will will be done. And, and there's that even goes into like more... Um, I guess, specific in our own lives. Not always do we get our own, the perfect will in our lives that he has planned for us because of his allowing our free will. Yeah, it it's feels like my macroeconomics class in college. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a level to which, up until which I can understand, but then we leave, yeah. we leave that very soon. And that's become my prayer, you know. God, I don't just want what I want and what you'll allow me to have. I want what you have planned for me that mm. perfect will mm-hmm. not just what you know i'm going to do anyways change my mind <laughs> yeah i don't want to i don't want to walk around the mountain over and over to get to, i don't want to i don't want to take 40 days yeah. 40 years to get somewhere it should have taken me 2 days the best way i know how to explain it is if you're going on a trip you know if you look at google maps it'll tell you different routes you can go you know it'll tell you okay if you go this way it's 7 minutes slower if you go this way mm-hmm. you're going to hit traffic and God's got that perfect route for your plan, but the destination, you're, he's going to get you there one way or the other. And there may be some stops he, he will get you at along the way, regardless of what you do, but he may let you take the long way around, or mm-hmm. sometimes he'll let you take the scenic route. Yeah, I'll, I always like to think about uh, Jonah in the well and Nineveh in that situation. You know, God was going to get Jonah to Nineveh. I mean, he could do it on a boat. Or in the belly of a fish, mm-hmm. Jonah tro- chose to ride in a yeah. He chose to ride in a well. He didn't realize boats. that's what he was choosing. But our disobedience um, makes our choice for us to go the hard way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God's will is that we go the hard way that we learn a lesson. But let it be God's perfect will that we go the hard mm-hmm. way instead of our own disobedience and rebellion that takes yeah. us the hard path. Um, there was a, a young person that I was talking to. A few days ago, they were asking me some questions, and um, and they were just genuinely curious. And uh, I told them, in my mind, one of the coolest um, examples of God's sovereignty in the Old Testament and, and, and prophecy being fulfilled is um, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah names King Cyrus by name hundreds of years before uh, King Cyrus came on the scene, and when King Cyrus let the children of Israel, a, a remnant of them, go back to the promised land and begin 
uh, rebuilding. Uh, he let them go home, and Isaiah names him by name in the scriptures hundreds of years before it happened. And I was just telling him, I was like, "This isn't that crazy? Like, how do you explain that?" You know, to me, I don't have a, I don't have a human logical explanation for Isaiah naming someone a king by name and his deeds hundreds yeah. of years before they happen. Like, it's one thing to be vague about a mm-hmm. prophecy. It's another thing to name someone, someone by name. So I was like, isn't that amazing? And he said, well, I mean, what if the king had been reading the book of Isaiah? <laughs> and I said, well, he had. I mean, he, he, he had been reading the book of Isaiah. And he's like, well, see, he just, he just, his mom was probably like, oh, you're, I'm going to name you Cyrus. You're going to fulfill it. And I looked at him and I thought, and I said this, I said, but it still happened. Like, <laughs> It isn't, none of that matters because whether God chose to like put it in his mom's heart, like it doesn't matter. The fact remains. Hundred year, hundreds of years. Yeah, before. like he named you by name and it happened. All of that is just, you're just playing a shell game there trying to get away from the fact that, wow, this amazing thing still happened. Now that's how I look at it. I, I guess people maybe that um, are skeptical try and explain it away, but. To me, that doesn't explain Well, there's it away. a lot of other people at play than just King Cyrus and, and his mother. You know, I think a lot of things had to happen between those, those hundred-year gaps. And Yeah, I, I mean, mean, King Cyrus could have gotten in a tragic the, accident as a child and died Where the children of Israel were and for them to even, him to even let a remnant, you know, like yeah. all of that. Tons of things could have derailed that, even with an intentional plan to fulfill Scripture outside mm-hmm. of random events. Tons of things could have derailed that, but it still happened. And to me, that is evidence of God's sovereignty. Now, other people see it as chance. Um, so, whatever God deems will be, will be. Now, does that mean, and Elisa, this would be, you're, you're tracking with this tonight, so I'm going to throw this at you. Does that mean, what? I mean, what's the point then? What's the point? Why do I, I mean, isn't God just driving what what does it matter I just, what I do? It goes back to that permissible versus perfect will. Yeah. I mean, you can just sit back and try to enjoy the ride, but you're going to miss something. Yeah, I think if you're not seeking and trying to walk in obedience, you're going to miss something. And I, for some people, that may be enough, you know, that, hey, I just want to get in. <laughs> right. And I'll, I'll accept him and I'll... You know, I'll play the good person. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what, why that is all it takes for some people. But there's so much that he wants to invite you to be a part of. Yeah. And we talked about this before. If that's all I want, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you've got the God of the universe moving and working in your life, you really, it's almost impossible to stay in a place of, eh, boredom. Eh, no big deal, you know. Like, it's it's. It, who was it that said it's like a fire shut up in my bones? One of the prophets in the Old Testament. Like, you know, doing God's work and being on His team should be, goodness gracious, it should get us extremely motivated. You know, mm-hmm. if all we have a desire to do is just sit around and let nothing happen, then, I mean, just let happen whatever's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not a good sign. Um. So then it goes on to say, they give the qualifications for who they want to appoint. Um, basically, they wanted somebody who witnessed the whole thing go down. Somebody that watched Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, the baptism um, in the River Jordan from John the Baptist, 
all the way until the day he was taken up. So when I read that, I was like, wow, there was more? I was like, I guess there was some other people kind of hanging out, tagging around, watching from a distance, you know. And so they found two among them. They had um, been there for it all. That had seen it all. And they named them Barsabbas, you said, named Justice and Matthias. Um, and then we get into, you know, what you have here is you have 120 people who have just witnessed this amazing thing. They all, like you said, are kind of bewildered and confused and sad and angry and all of these things. But they genuinely, collectively want to know what God wants them to do. Mm-hmm. They genuinely have pursued God. This is before they have the New Testament scriptures. This is they have the Old Testament scriptures. They have they have uh, enough faith to go hang out in the upper room for yes ten days, and and, and the Holy Spirit hasn't came down <laughs> yeah. yet. So they are genuinely wanting direction yeah. from God, and because of that desperation, and because they want direction from God, they chose to. Uh, cast lots, which would be somewhat the equivalent of, of, of rolling dice for you and I. And we've talked about that before. In this situation, that was completely okay. And you're, you're actually ascribing to God His sovereignty to control how these dice land or how these lots land, like which one's going to land closer to the wall or not. And so to think that if you're in a place of desperation, you've sought the Lord, to think that casting lots is a lack of faith, I don't see it that way. I see it as, you know what, God, I completely trust you to control the casting of these lots, the rolling of these dice to make a decision for me. I'm not doing it out of a place of laziness. I'm doing it out of a place of desperation. I've sought you and I've seeked you out in your word and in prayer. And it's, it, it can still be done today if, that, if we find ourselves in that place. And that was before the Holy Spirit came. Right. But there's still times today. Yeah. You know, there's still times a day where you may be in that place. And that's okay because God is sovereign. It will be. The lot will be. The dice will be. Whatever God wants it to be, it will be. And if I believe that and I ascribe that true attribute to God, it will be. Mm-hmm. And what we don't need to do, though, is to tell God, hey, I'm going to let you drive. Things land the way, the way they land, and then we change it. Mm-hmm. Because then we just reveal our true motives and our true lack of faith in that in that instant. So as long as there is from a place of true and genuine faith and wanting to know the will of God, you know, what is the will of God? Well, it says many times to be filled with the Spirit, to get as close to Him as we possibly can be. And if in that still we find ourselves not knowing and we don't hear from God to wait and there may be situations where this is okay and this does not show a lack of faith. And I just want to clarify that because I, th- I feel like people think that sometimes that doing yeah, you this. You can't make every decision by casting lots. No, no, yeah. because God has given us his word. He's given and us his spirit. And and he's given I us his fellow believers. Most of us are, will hold the, the idea that I will do whatever he tells me to do. I just have trouble knowing what he wants me to do. Right. And so maybe this is something that could help, but I think this is, I think the Holy Spirit's there for us more often than not right. if we're willing to wait and seek. And and in my times where a really big decision has has come before me, He doesn't just give me one answer. Like mm-hmm. He'll give me the same answer over and over because so, mm-hmm. He knows I need a little bit of peace. Right. You know? And right. so it's... Before we, before we cast lots, we need to ask ourselves if we're truly seeking and if we've truly if we're searched. Listening. If we're listening and mm-hmm. searched Him out. I mean, that would be the equivalent of, 
you know, someone being extremely vocal about, you know, like abortion, but they're being un- unfaithful in their marriage. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't have a right to kind of go in that other direction if you're not checking yourself first. And um, we need to make sure that we're doing that before we do this. So, um, and the lot fell on Matthias. Yes, and so it fell on Matthias. Matthias, okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I cannot help, but every time I've read this chapter, think about Barsabbas here. He was Joseph Barsabbas, who was also surnamed Justice, and he was not chosen. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But, you know, if he's been around for Jesus this whole time, he's following him around, he's heard what Peter has said about the sovereignty of God and his scriptures and the prophecy, and he's in the upper Yeah, room. yeah, yeah. But how many of us would be able to really sit there Well, the there flesh is going to rise up. You know, surely the, the enemy at that point is like, oh, well, this, you should be offended. Oh, you should be, you know. But at this point, man, there... It would make me doubt my faith. It would make me yeah, be true. like, okay, God, what did I, what do I not get? We we do that to ourselves yeah, now. Yeah, that's exactly where I'd be. So I've sat with Bersabbas a few times before, and I did some research about what happened to him, hmm. and he ended up a bishop over. I can't say it. Let me see if I can pull it up. You try. It. Is it the E word? Yeah. Oh oh, hold on. It's like Metropolitan. Eleutheropolis. Opolis. So that's like the center of a city, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's the center of this, from what I understand, some kind of trade city, like where different cities would come and trade. And, and so he got to be the bishop in the city and have so, and it was actually dubbed the city of the free because the Romans ended up coming and making them be exempt from taxes. Wow. And so here he is not chosen leading in the city of the free (laughs) where all this trade is going down and it's just like the center of other regions that get to hear from him Mm -hmm. about Jesus. So God still had a plan for him even though it wasn't the... Because it will be. It will be. It (laughs) will be. And so, you know, he was where he needed to be and if we're where where he wants us to be, that's where we'll be feeling the most free. And and obviously, Barsabbas didn't get so upset about it that he just kind of withdrew from everything. Yeah, he I was mean, still being used. How we handle our possible disappointment is key because, you know, I mean, we got to realize that it will be God's sovereign and he has another plan if for us. Not, our reaction's important. If he ended up, if they chose him without seeking the Lord, without the lots falling on him or the whatever it was, cast the light, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, if he would have chosen, that would not have been God's perfect will, and he would not have felt that freedom, mm. you know? And so the fact that he was placed in this the city of the free, it just really speaks volumes. Yeah, that's a good, that's true. I mean... If we're not, we could be doing amazing things by the standard of the world, you know, and it could be for the gospel. It could be good things. But if that's not where God wants us, that's there's no joy in it. Right, right. Um, so they 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 have uh, Matthias. He joins them. They make a perfect twelve. Which um, I try to do a little bit of research on the number one hundred twenty. It's a very complex thing. I encourage <laughs> everyone to go research it on your own. That's something God's trying to to take me into more. Um, 
but 12 we know is, is, a, is a number that represents like God's divine government, divine order in government. Um, so 11 is a number of chaos. And so um, they would know that at being Hebrew boys as well, as well as the scripture from Psalm 109. So they knew that, they, that, the, that God ordained 12 to start this movement. Um, so they, they tie that up at the end of chapter 1, and then, uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into chapter 2. But mm-hmm. stay tuned. We have uh, Morgan Fields joining us right after the break. She's going to tell us about her vision and the, uh, the gospel-centered design products that she's started to make. And we awesome encourage everyone. Lady. Yes, she is so much more mature than we were at, at her age. <laughs> Which isn't saying a lot, but no. that's still. But she's, still more mature, she's than mature most. than most people are age now. Yes. Uh, so we encourage everyone to go check out her website. She gives all that information here in a little bit. So we'll see you guys after the break. Welcome back. We have a special guest on the line with us, Miss Morgan Fields, all the way from North Georgia College in Dahlonega. She is studying psychology and hopes to be an occupational therapist after college. Uh, thanks for joining us, Morgan. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. She is uh, also an entrepreneur of late, and we're going to get into that. And Elisa also joins us by phone as she is working on some stuff at home, right? That's right. Dinner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. Um, hey, Morgan. Hi. So, uh, Morgan, we have a mutual friend, Lori Osborne, who's from Nashville and is, and is going to North Georgia College. And I saw on her Instagram a few weeks ago where she published uh, one of your designs, uh, your, your T-shirt design, and she was kind of modeling the shirt and had a couple other pictures with mountains in the background. Really cool. And and I could tell just by the words on the front of the shirt that it was kind of a gospel-centered design. And so I was immediately intrigued, uh, and I just kind of thought it would be awesome to bring you on the show and let you talk about it. So then I kind of, Lori uh, connected us, and, and you kind of told me your vision, and then I was even more inspired. So, mm-hmm. um, Morgan, tell us a little bit about how this got started, the business that you've started. Tell us how that kind of birthed. Yeah, I would love to. So, um, actually, I've always kind of had, like, from a young age, I've always been super passionate about, like, wanting to sell stuff. And both my parents own small businesses, so it's always been something in my head that, like, I knew. Like, I just always thought it was so cool when I looked up to my parents a lot because, they accomplished these great things all by like just putting in the hard work to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so even from like a small age, um, my mom was a hairdresser whenever I was young. So I would set up lemonade stands in front of her beauty shop, like, <laughs> and sell stuff like that all the time and like stuff like that. So it's always kind of been um, something I've been interested in. But this summer, um, I worked at a summer camp called Woodlands Camp, and um, it's in my hometown. And I was just really praying about some stuff. A uh, new college was starting that, 
And um, last semester, I lived in dorms, but this semester, I'm moving into the house. And so I know I'll be paying for rent. And I, um, I would have to buy gas and groceries and just um, really start living like a grown-up. <laughs> and so I, um, it's a really big priority of mine to have a savings and prepare for the future because I have a lot of big dreams that I would like to achieve. Mm. And I just started praying this summer, like, God, I know that you're going to provide a way for me, but I'm also not afraid to put in the work to make sure, like, that way is accomplished. That's and awesome. I just started praying for him to just put some ideas in my head of things I could do. And I babysit, and I do have a job um, at this little diner that I've worked at for all of my high school. And I um, have the privilege of going back there. They just kind of let me come back in after summer. And so I knew I had put those things going on, and that was going to be enough to help me, um, just to help me provide, like, the essential needs. So, like, my housing and, like, food and stuff. Um, but I just wanted another way to be able to pour into my dreams, but also just to provide and pour into other people's dreams. And um, so that's kind of part of the harvest is um, we do 10% of all the proceeds from that month go to a special organization or um, just a need that we, or that I really think is... um, doing the kingdom's work and planting seeds. So that was something that was really big on my heart that I wanted to make sure I was able to accomplish. Amen. And tell us the name of your company. I should have mentioned that on the intro, but tell us the name. Oh, yes. It's called The Harvest. Um, That was kind of just another God thing. I was doing my quiet time one morning, and I read in Matthew where God was talking to his disciples, and he says, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think um, God has put this harvest in front of us, and we just have to go out and get it to be a worker for Him. So that's, that's kind of where the name awesome. came from. I love that, um, you know, you mentioned kind of the idea behind it was you're working really hard, you're a full-time student, you've got other jobs, and, and it sounds like you're helping pay for a lot of that stuff yourself. Uh, uh, but my understanding, there is another, I know you mentioned saving for camp, and that was part of the motivation, but isn't there another vision that you've got kind of down in, a little farther down in the future? Yes, it's actually um, one of my big dreams is I want to start um, a business in my hometown for special needs adults to work at. Um, mm-hmm. Just selling like, like well sandwiches or um, coffee or really just anything, just something for adults that do have special needs, just to form a community um, for them to have a workplace. And I think I'm from a really small town, and so there are some things for them to get involved in. And mm-hmm. I think just having just a just a place for them to kind of feel like a second home and just a workplace um, awesome. with people that will just share the love of Jesus with them and be able to pour into them. 
I think would be so awesome. And that's a yeah. big dream of mine. That is that, awesome. That's awesome. Alisa, this, this doesn't so sound I, like our, us at all in college, does it? No, not at all. That's what I can't I can't get over, you know. When I was your age, all I was thinking about, yeah, I was thinking I, I'll put in some work, but I, I was thinking, how is it going to benefit me? How can I get the most out of this? And how can I, basically, it came down to the dollar and how can I earn it? And you've set this up and modeled it in a way where, you seek the Lord first and you give him back the first bit of it. You know, you set aside that 10% for him. And then even your long-term vision is a way to honor and glorify him. And I, I just feel like because of that, the model you set up, it's going to do amazing things. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It is, it is really admirable and inspirational. It is. And I'm getting chill bumps just thinking about it. When you open that, when you open that um, small business where you have special needs employees, they will get Jesus poured in them. But I guarantee you that them working there, they'll be able to pour Jesus into your customers more so oh, yeah. than the average person, and that's just exciting. Absolutely, it's exciting yeah. to be a part of. It. And that whole business model is in keeping with the gospel. You know, you mm-hmm. look at who did who did God use in the Bible? Who did he use? He used the people that thought that no one would have thought. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he used just rough fishermen to carry the message of the good news to the to the world and to change the world. You know, all throughout the Bible, the people that the world disqualified was who God used so that he could get the glory and there would be no confusion as to who was behind it. You know, and I just love that. And that is in yeah. keeping with that message. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful and, and, and it shows your spiritual maturity. And I, love, I love just the, the simple, you know, I, I've already gotten my t-shirt. I ordered one and I've already worn it and I love it. It's very soft. The older I get, the more I appreciate a good quality t-shirt. <laughs> and it's not rough and it's soft. It's just but it's, it's not too thin. It's, it's just a really good shirt. But I love the simplicity of your message. Um, so tell us a little bit about your design and the inspiration behind that. Yes, the, the shirts just say love is kind. And um, how I said I worked at this camp, I really saw the value of kindness, honestly. And I think... Um, I've always been in an environment where I just thought just busting with awesome people and I think kindness is just something I've um really just experienced like so much. But I just learned so much this summer but there's so many kids that don't just experience kindness and it can kinda of break your heart just to um hear some of their stories and just something so simple as like giving them a hug or like just showing them a little bit of kindness literally means so much and I think whenever we're a reflection of Jesus like he is kind to us and you know um it says in first Corinthians that's where it comes from love is patient love is kind and that's what Jesus is and I think as Christians we're called to be the hand and feet of Jesus and our lives should look like kindness and our mm-hmm. love that we show people should be kind and our words and our actions it's all a reflection of Jesus if we're living our life for him. So I think um that's really just where that came from mm-hmm. and 
um, it kind of, because I was also praying about that this summer, just, I kind of knew the direction I wanted to go, but I didn't really know the design or, like, what all the products would be, but he kind of just laid that on my heart. Um, that was just another um, quiet time that I was doing. I was reading through First Corinthians, and I read that verse, and it just kind of clicked, and I knew that's what I wanted my first shirt to say. That is so awesome. Yeah, um, that is awesome. And you've recently gotten two more designs. Uh, Morgan, tell us about those designs and kind of what the message behind them and where they came from as well. Yes, I just did a sticker that says, um, see where your feet are. And then hmm. I have um, a little pin that you can put on both sides and stuff that say, slow down and take it in. Oh, that's and good. Bo- <laughs> that's good stuff. Both of them just kind of, um, for me, just really means I just like to go, go, go. I rarely ever have free time. And whenever I do, I for some reason, feel the need to fill it with things to do. <laughs> but um, it's just, for one, it's just be where your feet are. That's a reminder just to be in the moment that God's put you in and um, slow down and take it in. It's just while you're standing there, make sure to like acknowledge all that God's done and where he's placed you because it's not an accident, you know? I love that. Golly. And I love how you just break it down. I mean, just one line just gets right to the heart of the message. Yeah, yeah. that's right up your alley, Elisa. I love it. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the way you're making your choices for the products that are available, again, gospel-centered, completely opposite of the way the world makes its decisions. I mean, You know, I don't want to knock anybody or anything, but, you know, I think most people would agree if you were to listen to, you know, a popular radio station in a town, those songs most of the time, many of the time, were made because they thought that's what people would buy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's this kind of vicious cycle, let's sell to what people want to buy, which is not always a good thing because people have negative tendencies too. But you're not making products based on what you think people want to buy so much as you are making products that speak to you and that proclaim the message of the good news. And that is where your decisions are being made from. And I love that. And I love, I mean, that just making those kinds of decisions right there just shows a confidence in God to handle the rest. You know, you're Mm -hmm. not worried about the end. You're just worried about what what he told you to do, that kind of thing. So I love it, and I just love everything that you stand for, Morgan, and I'm so thankful that um, young people like you are stepping out in their faith and that are, you know, selling things that are godly, you know? I mean, it's just awesome, and I, and I think us as Christians, we need to support that. Um, and so that's why we brought you on the show. I just wanted people to hear your vision. I wanted people to have hope that the next generation does have a heart for the Lord, you know? And uh, I want to point people to go and um, support you. Um, the T-shirt, Love is Kind, the sticker, uh, Be Where Your Feet Are, and the, uh, the pin that can go anywhere, um, slow down, take it in. All of those can be found on your website. Morgan, What tell us your website. Yes, it's shoptheharvestco.com. Shoptheharvestco.com. 
That's awesome. And we'll be sure to link it. Yeah. We'll put it on there. And uh, we just encourage everyone to go and support Morgan and her vision that God has given her. And also, when you wear these things, you're, you're speaking life when people read them. You know, um, the message of the gospel is, is contagious, you know, and people need life breathed into them. So we thank you for coming on so much. Yes, thank you, Morgan. I really enjoyed hearing your story in detail. <laughs> Very good. Yes, thanks all so much for having me. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. Well, keep us posted on any new products, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, y'all. Bye. 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 You want me to buy you one of those stickers? I, I really do. I like <laughs> them a lot. I love yeah. the message. Short and sweet, and uh, v- makes you think, you know. And uh, we just encourage everyone to go and visit her website, support her, and uh, maybe one day, you know, we'll we'll get to see the fruit of her labors and the fruit of the vision that God's given her to. And you know what's a good point that I haven't really even thought about, but the way that she presents her message, it's not preachy. Mm -hmm. You You wouldn't know, like someone who's not a Christian would easily want to buy these products and it's mm-hmm. get it's speaking life out there even without even realizing that it's the gospel. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that, that's how our world receives it best because, mm-hmm. well, there's a lot of reasons. That's a whole nother podcast. And just her humility behind her presentation. Yeah. And, and she doesn't shy away from, from saying that, that, you know, this was started with her seeking the Lord mm-hmm. and God speaking to her and revealing it. Um, and we can all, uh, even as, you know, adults, older adults, uh, take a lesson from that. You know, Most we need definitely. to bring God in on the front end and mm-hmm. not just wait till we get in a pinch and call on Him. So, we enjoyed you guys being with us tonight. We were so glad that uh, we could have Morgan on the show and looking forward to some more of her stuff coming out. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you guys next week where we'll be in Acts chapter 2. So, we'll see you then. Good night. Good night.